Are y'all ready for some fire, some truth, for a challenge that may make you uncomfortable but catapult you into your freedom? Today's guest on the podcast, Anthony Hart, is a collective of all three of those questions. He's a fire-breathing, truth-seeking and preaching challenger who is equally a comedian and a dear friend of mine. It's time to get real with yourself. When you look in the mirror, who is staring back at you? It's time to remove all the filters and the facades, strip away the titles of who you were, and become who you are meant to be. Hang on tight. You're in for a treat. We are all in pursuit of something more. Wherever, whatever, or whoever your more is, I want to help you get there wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. The Fit and Faith movement was birthed through my own trial and error discovery of mind, body, and soul alignment. Being fit isn't about our physique at all. It's about our wholeness of our heart and the root of our joy. This isn't a fitness podcast. This isn't a quick fix health detox ploy. This isn't confusing religious banter. This is a whole body health check focusing on the heart. This is an opportunity to join me alongside other big dreamers, innovative movers, and lifestyle shakers as we explore and share our messy comeback stories to wholeness. If you're one step away from achieving your idea of something more, tune in for practical, fun, and healthy ways to ignite yourself into even more. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast with me, Tamara Lee. There is no better time than now to get fit. Welcome to episode two of the Fit and Faith podcast. We are here with someone that I treasure dearly. Um, you guys had an opportunity on episode one to meet and greet his beautiful wifey, Morgan Hart. And today you are coming. We said last week that you were not quite her better half. Is there something? I would have to say that I'm definitely her better half, but I'm coming to terms with that she's my better half. Equal. Uh, in a marriage, if, if that other person's not your better half, then why are you with them? It's true. I like it. I think we, we bring together each other with that intent of, of coming to completion. Right. Um, so Anthony is not only my pastor um, from the session, he is a really good friend. Um, he is an uncle to my babies and has stepped into a role of brother in recent years. And I'm excited to share how that kind of evolved um, and while... In the Christian faith, people often call brothers and sisters um, based on the fact that they're a Christian, so they're naturally in that role, but he really has come into being a family member, and I'm really grateful for the wisdom that he brings, but also the hilarity and goofiness, um, as I hope you unfold for these people over the course of the next hour. Um, so yeah, today we are going to talk about a lot of different things. I'm sure we'll go into different spaces, but the concept of why we came together um, and how our lives kind of symbiotically progressed into where we are today had a lot to do with our, our identity and our journey on creating the who of who we are, but more so whose we are and releasing what the expectations of other people have put on us, the expectations I think we oftentimes put on ourselves without really realizing, um, but being able to stand in our own identity. And so um, we're going to unpack that a bit for you. And I'm sure Anthony will go into a bit of his testimony as he does it, and I'll share some of mine too. So enjoy. Talking Welcome. about the uh, the who's who. I didn't know if we were in a Dr. Seuss novel, <laughs> or I don't know that he does novels. But books. He should. He could. Um, I would 
think I would be a really cool Dr. Seuss character, though. Yeah. I don't know how that would look, but I think the beard helps the shape come to life. What's the Lorax? Is that the like, Lorax. yeah, you could totally <laughs> do that. I don't remember what he says, but something about trees. <laughs> there yeah. you go. If you guys can't see this when you're listening to the podcast, but Anthony has a very lovely beard that yes. is new to his identity because he, he came from being clean shaved for a while. Why was that? Um, yeah, that's, I guess that's a huge part of my story in more ways than one. Um, raised in a super traditional religious home and and it, I don't I don't want to say that anything against my parents. Let me first apologize for anything that I might say over the next hour uh, if my mother and my father watch this. I love you. You've done an amazing job raising me uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit has just taken on that capacity since then and um, raised me a little bit more. Um, but yeah, we were raised in a super traditional home. Um, no TV in our home to like the seventh grade. Um, having a beard was against our religious. I, I can remember uh, just people having beards and coming in and getting saved. And like one of the first steps of change was to shave their beard off. And wow. it, now you can go to heaven type thing. So I always say the first couple of years of my life, I was told I was going to hell if I had a beard. And then I joined the Navy and I couldn't have a beard. I was going to get fired if I have a beard. So the day Did that you I... Did you a stash? Were you a stash? No, I, I had a stash <laughs> one know. time. We were on deployment, and I let it grow out. Re and it got real... As you, can, uh, you can't see, those of you that watch on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram, it is really thick. So it was very Burt Reynolds-esque. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so I didn't tell Morgan at all that I was growing it, and we got a chance to do a video conference oh, cool. live for like Christmas. And Ty was just a baby at the time. So I popped up on the screen and I have this mustache and she doesn't start the conversation with, hey, I love you. It is, you better shave that before you get home. So then all the guys were like, you're not going to shave her. I'm like, I know who butters my bread. And before I walked off that ship, it was definitely it was gone. gone. That's awesome. Yeah. So after I retired from the Navy, I said, I'm going to grow a beard. And that was August 25th, of a year and a half ago. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to wait till Christmas. That's four months, and we'll see how it looks. And on Christmas, Morgan liked it as much as I did, so here we are. It's a year and a half in the making now, and it is a bit biblical. Um, <laughs> yes, I feel is. like I could part a Red Sea <laughs> or at least be standing in the gap when God decides to do that, um, mainly because of the beard. So, That's yeah. awesome. You're going to play like a featured role in one of the new Jesus movies coming out. <laughs> They've got to do a reboot of the Ten Commandments here soon because that's what Hollywood does. We don't do new things. We no. just reboot them. So if I could be Charlton Heston, that would be amazing, <laughs> and as my wife would say. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, amazing. amazing. I love it. Well, when you were first saying your story, I thought you said beer. Oh. But you said beard. I did say beard. But it also is a good conversation. It is. Um, <laughs> and not one that I've been easy and willing to have in times past. Um, Now's as good a time as any. I guess Passion. so. It's coming off. Uh, <laughs> if you if you know me intimately, um, you know that I enjoy a good craft beer. Not a Miller Lite or anything like that. But I do enjoy a good beer every now and then. Um, and that was another thing in my early childhood and coming up um, in the religion I was raised in. If you had a beer, you were going to hell. Yeah. And one of the biggest parts of my identity was truly having to find that for me, what that meant. Was it right? Was it wrong? What the extent of it was? Because, you know, I, I don't want to turn this into a, 
a religious banter as you no, talk against all the time. <laughs> but if you know me, I'm, I'm going to talk about the, the Bible because if anything in my life, I really feel like we've restricted access to what the Bible actually says and um, who God is. We've made him this angry father who does crazy things like cause earthquakes and kill babies. And I don't think that's who God is at all. And I think sometimes in the church, we restrict access by saying you have to come in and look like, act like, sound like us so you can have access to this God who loves us. And right. it creates this little club that there's a people on the outside who are broken, trying to figure this thing out, but figure like they can never get good enough to get in there. Yeah. So they're just empty in this place. This God-shaped hole that exists in their life is just void and yeah. they don't know why. And they try to replace it with anything and everything. Um, so it was one of the things that I had to really say, okay, God, is this right? Is it wrong? I'm not going to talk to somebody who does believe it's right or somebody that does believe it's wrong. I, I want to hear from you. So I really got in the Word and looked into it. And, you know, I completely believe that being drunk is wrong. Yeah. Um, it's several times in the Bible. But, you know, there's something about when Jesus turned water into the water into wine Um I think if the reason that you call that drunkenness being wrong so many times opens the door to say, okay, it's, if it was just wrong altogether, it would just condemn right. alcohol. Right. But it's the act of it. I think so many times we confuse that in the word where, you know, there's a lot of people who are overweight and hitting the buffets after church on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I guess they miss that scripture on gluttony. Right. Because it's not wrong to eat, but it is wrong to overeat. We allow right. things well, I think it's the exact thing of like what you were saying at the very beginning is access. There's a difference between access and excess. Oh, that's good. And yeah. so we have access to a lot. God yeah. has given us access to everything that we have from mental, physical, spiritual beings, our health, all of the above. But anything in excess can be turned into an addiction, can yes. be turned into a detriment to our identity, um, which is exactly like where we're, where we started in the concept of of where this is going and so I think alcohol while it is an open door conversation with somebody who might see the church in just one box it's not it's not who you are it doesn't right. define you by any means just like your beard doesn't define you we like it about you and I like to have a good beer with you but at the same time like I've never seen you drunk one time and I've known you for three years and I think you can say the same about me. I don't know. I'm still coming <laughs> into my faith a little bit here, but um, I think that it's really, it's imperative to know that as there's different parts of us and at some point in your life, you might have to restrict what things you have access to. Yeah. And, and maybe that is alcohol. And I don't think that there's anything wrong. Like I've given up for Lent. Gary and I have multiple times done that. And it is, it's a restoration and a refresh process. Um, and that's everything from food. We've given up desserts when we have a sweet tooth that's just taking over our habits. Um, and same with like working out and physical activity. Um, but I think um, the intent of Lent is a spiritual exercise. Right. And we're in it right now. Um, and so it's just knowing what things become too much in your life and then realizing, okay, how do I restrict myself to get back to a place of health and a place of, of spiritual well-being? One of the scariest places to be is in the bathroom staring in the mirror with mm -hmm. nobody else around because that is like the only time that you can seriously look yourself in the eyes and really evaluate who you are, so where you've come, where you're going. 
And, you know, you heard Morgan's story last week. I think there's something powerful to where her moment happened. Yeah. In the bathroom, in front of the mirror. Mm, I've got chills. Truly a place of introspective look to say, who am I? And it's a scary place because if you've gotten to this place in life by making mistakes and making bad decisions, they will haunt you and you will wear those like, you know, you always hear that, but like death clothes. Yeah. Anytime you're wrapped up in that new suit on the way out, that will define you the rest of your life. That's the, what we buried them in. And we hear that a lot, you know, with family members like, Oh, I remember that suit. That's what we buried them in. That's the clothes they wear. Yeah. Um, And I think we do that so many times with our decisions and our mistakes and our actions against people and ourself is when we look in the mirror, that's what we see our clothing and not what's inside of them. That's so true. Um, you know, that was something in me and my identity was releasing that religious nature that I was wearing. You know, I was a box checker. I was, I go to church because I have to, and anytime the church was open, I was there. Yeah. And you know, you've been there with us over this last year and a half as we stepped out of the, the campus pastor position, the church we were in at the time. And as the session became formed, it was almost like an undoing of what we thought church was. Like there were several moments so where we're like, nice. I don't know what this is, yeah. but we're not supposed to do this anymore. Yeah. We're not supposed to do this anymore. Yeah. And it was an undoing. And in that, we began to find our niche, ourselves, our people. And I think that's internally that's us as well like you talked about that excess so many times our life begins to be defined by the stuff that we've been given and we see it as blessings when god gives us something or we have a really good job and we're able to provide for our family but when that stuff begins to control you yeah. um i'm a sports addict yeah. and there was moments in my life in my relationship with morgan where if the game was on like my day was planned yeah um, super big Cardinals fan. Uh, baseball starts two days, so go Cards. Uh, if you're not a Cardinals fan, I'm praying for you. Um, but there were so many times where I would put my family on hold. I would put our marriage on hold because of a three-hour window where I had to find a game. And it was moments when I had to undo some of that, kind of like church. All these things, when I began to release it, um, then I can sit and watch it with Morgan, or I've learned to appreciate the why behind behind it, why I enjoy it, but it doesn't dictate my, my life anymore. It was the same with alcohol. Yeah. Um, if I'm having a beer to get drunk, then I'm losing my ability to speak to the life that I have within me. I'm losing the ability to be a good parent, to good. be a good husband. And I think that's the problem. When you drink to go get drunk, you're losing your ability to be the good part of you. Yeah. You are giving control to that, and it will cause you to say the wrong thing when you're not supposed to. It will cause you to make actions that you wish you could take back. If you look back at this, so many times all of us that have been drunk before, whether it's the next morning we wake up with a headache, whether it's the relationship you're trying to salvage because you did something, said something wrong, it's that giving up that control in that moment. And you have to look back and say, is it worth it? Is a beer worth it? Is watching the baseball game worth it is going to the buffet 
six times a week and then dying of a heart attack and lose, you know, leaving your family behind without, with that missing piece. Yeah. All of these things, when you give them control, yeah. it's good and bad and you lose the ability to be who people need you to be. Yeah. I, it reminds me of um, some of the sessions when we first started, we would have like a theme and um, because session is a place that not just pastor you speak, but you give the opportunity for all the voices to be heard. We had the conversation around hangovers and mm. I remember specifically relating hangovers to so many facets of our life that we walk through hangovers and that I feel like the devil is keeping us trapped in a constant state of a hangover. Yeah. Um, whether it's from a relationship that you're getting over or um, something, a mistake you made in your marriage that then you're constantly living in this place of shame and guilt. And I think that's where we rest when you're in a hangover. Yes. Um, I know the hangover feeling of like, um, being addicted to shopping, which I feel like I went through that phase and, and speaking of stuff and identity and, and shedding yourself from that, I lived in a constant state of buyer's remorse. And that mm. to me is like the uh, hangover state of having a shopping addiction. And so being able to like literally let go of those things and become whole from it, it's not, you don't go back out and then go shopping because the same right. thing is going to feel that way the next day. And so it comes with anything that you are experiencing and shedding in your life. If you can now recognize the pain and realize what started the pain and going back to the root of it, because oftentimes people don't even really know why those things exist. Sure. I don't, I just liked shopping. I just thought it was something I've always done. It made me feel good and, and that was it. But there was so much more to it that I had to uncover and um, understanding who and how you're cultivated is how that happens. Um, and we talk about it from the, from the state of, of gardening and like really digging up the roots. You're never gonna fully get the weed if you just pick up the green that's over the surface. Cause there's so much more to that plant. Just like right. there's so much more to our being than the fact that, Oh, she likes to shop. I don't want that to define me. I don't want that to be who I am. I definitely don't want to be an alcoholic. And I'm surrounded by things like this all the time. Right. So it's just, it's an interesting like segue to where we had those conversations and I've seen where we've grown from them. And I say we, because it's a collective whole of the people that have been there um, who are, are realizing and recognizing the access that we're given through the Bible and through so many other things of just spirituality and then just connection with other people. Like the intent is for us to live a whole life, not to live a broken, hungover, exhausted, like starving life. And you've talked a lot about, I know, over the, just the first two weeks about how you're pulling yourself out of the rat race. It's amazing. We live in an addictive society. Yeah. Um, and it's all of these stuff, the, the job you're striving for. From the day you start school, that's the first thing. You're, you've got to get good grades to get a good job so you can take care of your family. So you're put into motion this just addictive nature to succeed. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest problems I had to get over in my life was when I saw that even as a pastor where ambition was my drive, my goal, and I was chasing these titles and I was chasing these positions and I wasn't even really doing what I should have been doing in those positions. You'll hear me say this a lot now. Um, I don't need you to call me pastor. I just need to be pastor. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need a title. I don't need anything. And I think that's what, you know, our relationship, how it kind of blossomed was it wasn't the fact that you called me pastor. It was through relationship, through friendship, before anything else, 
uh, when you and Gary came into Morgan I's life, we became friends before anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all we were both in a church at that time where uh, we had a pastor, yeah. so we were able to connect. I think on a deeper sense than just a title. And through that, there was moments where I was able to pastor you. And now you call me pastor. I don't receive that as a title. I receive that as a term of endearment, the same way I receive daddy or husband, all these things. I don't ever want to be called something by somebody that doesn't see me as that. There's a whole lot of people that's going to listen and watch this that would maybe call me Pastor Anthony, but if I haven't pastored you, then don't call me that. Uh, I don't see it as a title. I see it as a calling. I think that's everything in your life. If you're not being a good husband or wife, then you need to strive to be better at it. So almost like your wife doesn't have to call you any of that that anymore. It just flows out of her. Everything she does is saying, you're such a good husband. I want to give to you. Mm -hmm. I love you because I I recently challenged a, a young couple to go a couple of days without saying I love you. And before y'all get crazy and say, oh, my goodness. But I said, what if from the moment you woke up to the moment you went to sleep, everything you did was to show that person that you love them? That's so good. Three of the most overused words in this culture, in the world, I believe, is I love you. And it's become so surface and fake. We say it all the time. Oh, love you. But nobody feels loved. That's the problem in church. We say God loves you and you walk into a church and you don't feel loved. Maybe that's my whole reason that I had to get out of church for a bit was because I saw so much hurt in the name of God in churches where people who were supposedly trying to help me get better. I saw people pushed out and edged out because they didn't look like, act like, sound like, because they didn't have the same revelation or same, they think the same way as somebody else, or they question something. God forbid we question anything, right? Right, right. Um, and it was in that moment that I did not want to be a part of any of that. And as I pulled away from all of that, I was able to begin to see that there was still this love there that I could access personally for myself, and I wanted to take that back into. So it wasn't that God was sitting there telling me, I love you. It was in everything I was doing and receiving, he was showing me. Absolutely. And I think that's what the amazing place is. Um, There's so many times that I look around and I say, I don't deserve this. And I'll tell you this, if you're at a place where you think you deserve what you've got, you are living at a place in limit Mm -hmm. because what you've probably have is from ambition. It's from what you're able to do and all of that, because I know a God that is willing to give you exceedingly and abundantly more than what you can even fathom. So if you're in a place where you feel justified and you feel like you've earned everything you've got, you're limited. Yeah, that's so good. So the moment I look around, I'm like, wow, I don't deserve the session. I don't deserve um, to be acting pastor at Greenbrier Community Church. Um, I don't have enough letters behind my name. I don't deserve three healthy children. I don't deserve a beautiful wife. Um, Just all these things. That's the moment God says, no, you don't deserve it, but you got it Mm, because I love you. Hey, beautiful. Sorry, I know commercials are for cable, but I just couldn't miss this opportunity to share with you about the upcoming epic girls getaway happening this October. It will be a time to reset, reconnect, and redefine yourself. And additionally, to just have some true uninterrupted girl time. I don't know about you, but I want a lot of things. This, however, is something I really need. And I found a lot of my girls do too. So I've put together a three-day, two-night weekend in the Outer Banks for us to retreat and rest. Imagine 
ocean air, freshly brewed coffee, nutritious meals cooked by somebody else, enough silence to meditate, enough space for movement and exercise, relaxing mud mask by the ocean, beautiful, soulful worship, deep conversations, and ultimate girl time. It seems too good to be true, right? I mean, seriously, I'm ready to go right now, and I so wish we could. But you can register right now. Pop over to www.fitinfaith.co to check out the early bird special that just launched. You deserve this, girlfriend, and we are believing for a supernatural weekend where we take the time to truly invest in ourselves and our wholeness. You won't regret it, and neither will your girlfriends. So be sure to invite them too. When's the last time you had an all-girl sleepover? Remember, grab your room now. Space is limited. But I really, truly can't wait to see you there. It made me think, like, when you were talking before about, like, that mirror moment. And I've actually personally had one myself. And um, it wasn't one I shared last week. But this was, I actually couldn't brush my teeth in front of the mirror for a month. Wow. And so, and I didn't time it. I wasn't like, oh, 30 days and counting. It was not, it was not something I wanted to do. Um, but I couldn't face myself. I remember the moment where I stopped doing it and I was looking in the mirror and I was just bawling, crying because I had no idea who I was. And I had so many things from the outside looking in that I, people would have been like, oh my gosh, she's so blessed. She has, she deserves, I thought I deserved everything Mm -hmm. that I had. And when I came to the point of being like, it being stripped from me or me choosing to let go of it, knowing that it wasn't who I wanted to be. I, I couldn't face myself because I had no idea who I was. And last night, actually, just having a conversation with some women from CORE and telling them this and saying, you know, I remember my husband sitting across from me outside on our patio and saying, what are your passions? We had been together for four years married at that point, seven years, almost eight years collective. Mm. And I felt like I was having a conversation with a stranger, not only him being a stranger, but myself. And I could not tell you what my passions were that were a part of my purpose. There's Mm. a difference of, I like to go to the beach. I like to work out. And she does. I do all those things. I like to eat. I like a lot of things, but what what am I meant to do? And so just like I had to rid myself of stuff and actual tangible things, everyone knows about Marie Kondo nowadays. I minimized through the minimalist Netflix show two and a half years ago. So to me, that was the first Marie Kondo's and that's two guys. And um, watching that show, we got rid of so much stuff, but simultaneously we had just broken down the walls of our home which now hosts our church, which is now going to host the church continued as you guys move into that space. But I feel like so often the reason we're limited in that mirror is because we're, we have too many other filters in front of us. There's too many other things that I can look and say, I'm deserving of this. I'm a type three. I've achieved since I was four years old. I remember doing it from gymnastics all the way into church settings um, and feeling like, oh, if I'm the lead worship leader, yeah, that's a funny story. I've never (laughs) told Morgan. (laughs) I used to be on the microphone for Young Life and I can barely sing. So I won't give you an example like Morgan did last week, but um, I thought, oh, I'm deserving of this and I wanted the limelight. 
And this experience, as I've grown into a ministry, I so much, like I was so hesitant to put my name on my business card. And I remember Morgan and I having like an all out fight for a couple of weeks. She's like, it's so good. This is what I want you to have. And I, I had a really, really hard time doing it to this day. When I see it, I'm like, Oh gosh, I wish it was something else because it's not about me anymore. And that's where you come to the mirror when you know I'm not coming as Tamara Lee Andress, I'm coming as a child of God. Right. And that's where we're deserving. So I hear you and I think that it's so powerful for us to strip away the things that are limiting and blocking us from actually seeing who we are in the mirror. And you talked about that, uh, Marie Kondo. Um, yeah, Marie Kondo. About how you release this stuff when we go through this stuff. I think where we stop and what's even more dangerous sometimes is internally mm. that we don't do that. So true. Um, the perspectives that we have, because like you talked about those masks, that perspective that other people have, whether we like it or not, whether it's good or not is a mask Yeah. because they don't see what goes on behind that. Um, I think about the wizard of Oz, like, yeah. um, Dorothy and all of them saw this big, powerful man, and that's what everybody knew him as. But what they didn't see is behind the curtain. It was all smoke and mirrors. So um, he still had a position and authority and all this stuff, but he was actually working harder to maintain this facade of all this power when Pretty if he could have just yeah. opened the door and said, this is who I am, and yeah, I'm the wizard, but yeah. I have no real power that you would think, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so many times we maintain this, this facade and we try to keep this thing up with smoke and mirrors. And what you do is just becoming empty, yeah. um, curtains mm -hmm. and lights and all this stuff, but there's no depth to you. There's yeah. nothing. And when you get to the end of you, like that's where that, as you empty more and more of your time and energy and all this stuff, when you get to the end of you, you're just exhausted and you have nothing else to give. That's when you give up. Yeah. And so true. in everything in your family and all that stuff. So um, you've got to find things that fill you up. Yeah. And I think you talked about the working out and all that mm -hmm. stuff. If you're doing it to, to, for other people to see you have a nice body and if you're look, doing it for your beach bod, yep. flip the script. Don't do yep. it anymore. If yep. you're, but if you're doing it to make yourself healthy, to be a better mom, to be a better um, wife, then that's what it's about is yeah. finding your purpose behind all of this. And, you know, I think that's why marriages fail so many times is because we lose our focus on the why behind it. You need that person as much as they need you. We live in a society today where it's all individualistic. I don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. You know what? I need somebody. Yeah. I need my wife. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't mess this thing up because she makes me better. Yeah. Uh, I've learned that. Does she, do we argue sometimes? Sure. Does she challenge me? And does she make me upset sometimes? Sure. Go riding with her and let yeah. her drive you around. <laughs> or actually, it's worse when I'm driving and she's on her phone. And God, I love you, Morgan, if you're listening. But... Um, Man, that's the little stuff. We yeah. make so much of the little stuff when those people contribute to us. Yeah. You know, one of the things um, when we come up with a session, we really tried to figure out what it was. But in the midst of all the questions and all that, the one thing that's always stood is our kind of our, mot our motto, our tagline. Surround yourself with people who challenge you to be better and love you when you're not. Yeah. That's life. That if you're is. not doing that, if you don't have people who are constantly challenging you to be better, not making you feel bad because you're not, not talking down to you, not walking away when you slip and fall, mm -hmm. but truly challenging you to just take a step when you can't even crawl. Yeah. But then loving you when you don't. 
and nursing you back to health when you're broken and picking you up and maybe even taking that step with you. Yeah. Walking backwards a couple of steps to pick you up to help you walk. Yeah. So many times we surround ourselves with ambitious people. Mm-hmm. And those are the people who aren't even willing to come help you up when they need to because their stuff's in the way and they're so focused on where they're trying to go that they just neglect you. That's so true. It also makes me think about the fact of like, um, like the challenge of making yourself a better person because oftentimes you can be stuck in a situation where they're complacent. They like who you are. Yes. And this is something that's really a part of my testimony is that They would rather me be who I was than who I'm becoming. And you have to release that because there are going to be people who are a part of certain seasons for a certain reason. Maybe they're even in your family, but they would rather you just stay stuck. Mm -hmm. And, and when you start to get healthy and when you start to make the decisions that no, this isn't the life I'm going to lead. This isn't the who of who I am. And I'm definitely not being the who's that I am that they don't like it. So that let's talk about that video that you shared the other day. Um, okay. Trent, um, do you remember his last name? I don't blank. Oh, we're going to share this video um, in conjunction with this podcast. And this, this guy has just got a, I don't even know if he's a pastor. I think he's just a, I called it a ministry because he's helping change lives. But yes. he was talking into the, this very concept. Um, you want to elaborate? Yeah, it was effectively not everyone's your friend. And I think this in the church, we can lose sight of it sometimes because we feel like we're called to, to love everybody. Yep. And then when somebody lets us down or something, then it's almost like a slight from God. Like, oh, you're not being a good enough Christian that that person doesn't love you. I know you struggled in, in your family um, not being able to be like the voice uh, to help them overcome some things in their life. And I think all of us have to realize that you're not called to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you're called to love everybody, but you may not get that in return. And um just that whole video really opened my eyes to just a couple of things he said was sometimes the one you love the ones you love the most will value you the least um that was mind-boggling because it's so true we we come up and it goes back to these titles and these things that we haven't earned but we wear it because that's what society says we are and who we are and that's the people we look to to validate us and when you don't receive validation from them you're invalidated it's so true and it's scary. Um, and that's why you got to be careful with who you surround yourself with. There are people, just like you said a while ago, that love you being trapped with them in their mess. Mm-hmm. People love a good pity party. If yeah. you don't believe it, go look on Facebook. Go on Facebook tomorrow and just make up a situation that you're going through. <laughs> Everybody and their brother is going to jump in there. Like, oh, so I cannot true. believe he did that to you, girl. <laughs> this is more ladies on here. So I just say, mm, girl. girl, you cannot believe what he said to me last <laughs> night. Before you know, and that's what happens in relationships all the time. You have a fight with your husband, and you take it to work, you take it to school, you take it wherever. Man, you ladies will jump up on it. Yeah. And before you know it, you are walking back into that house after work with just a load of stank. And you're just filled up with all these weapons, and you're ready to go back in there. And you ain't more, you know, no more worried about restoring that relationship. Yeah. You're worried about being right. Right, being validated. Right. I know I was the right person. I was right. Everybody yep. told me. Yep. And we talked about that a little bit earlier today. Is so many times when we are trying to find restoration in broken marriages, um, there's healing individually. That wife or that husband goes and they get help in their areas of a focus, which has to happen. Sure. There has to be personal healing. Yeah. But in that moment, you can't bring two corrected beings back 
and try to coexist in a marriage that's no, still broken. No. You've got to have somebody that's invest in you, but there has to be somebody that invests in, in y'all. marriage, absolutely. When you come together saying, okay, we're fixed, but now yeah. our marriage is still broken. Yeah. There's still broken pieces to what we've always known, the way we've always talked to each other, right. the way we've communicated to our kids in yeah. front of our kids, all of those things, and saying, we've got to fix those together. Mm -hmm. I can't fix them individually. I can say what I'm going to do, but it is a two-sided event. So right. you have to come together and say, where have we been messing this thing up? Yeah. Um, and it's friendships too. And there was friendships that there are friends that who are just stuck where they're at and they're okay with it. And when you try to get better, you try to better yourself. Now they start comparing themselves to you yeah. and, Oh, Tamara's just trying to be better than me. I know who you were and they will continually try to tell you who you were and where you've come from. Don't tell me who you are right now. I know where you were. I know what you've done. But if you've forgiven yourself, those people can't hold you to that anymore. Yeah. If the people you've wronged, I think that's something we miss too, is the people you've wronged, you may need to go apologize to them. But there's so many people that make you wear these titles and they had no stake in it at all other than being a third party that witnessed it. And then that becomes a definition of you. If I've wronged somebody, I need to go to that person and receive uh, forgiveness. But in that moment, we walk away from it. I don't care what you think if you saw that event. Um, it's the same way with God. Yeah. The things that we've done in our past, yeah. once you get forgiveness from him, if he's forgiven you, then that's it. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to wear that stuff anymore. And that's where like the validation component comes as we live in a society that we feel the need to be validated, whether it's from our spouse, whether it's from our friends, whether it's from our family, but only one validates. Right. And that's the only space and place and heart that you need validation from. And while you shouldn't stand saying, oh, I can do all of these things, when you are validated by God and you are walking out who you are supposed to be and who he intended for you to be, you're walking out in love. Right. And therefore, all you can do is act and be in love. And just like you said, I, don't, I shouldn't have to daily have to go back to remind, I love you, just so you know I love you, just so you know I love you. Hey, just in case you forgot, I love you. We just have to be love yeah. and not always have to say it because some people aren't receiving your words. And while they may not also be receiving your actions, they see it. And that's all that, you know, as a person I try to do on a daily basis, regardless of what, who I've wronged or things that I've done in the past. Um, but not wearing, again, not wearing titles because I could mask a bunch of titles on my name tag yep. and some I proudly own and some I'd sadly and shamefully own. Um, but that's a part of my testimony. It's not a part of who I am. Right. And I, expectations a big one. Um, anytime we do something for someone else, there's always an expectation mm -hmm. that's connected mm -hmm. to it. And when we don't get that expectation in return, it makes us question, well, why did I even do it in the first place? I think that's, you know, it, the Bible talks about um, not returning void. Mm -hmm. I think when we give love to somebody, it doesn't say that that's going to be returned from that person, but we're giving out of a heart that I know that I'm going to receive something because it's been, it's been positive. I mean, it's been promised to me. Um, I just preached a sermon series on the importance of sowing. Uh, I think so many times in the church, especially we, we focus on the reaping. We're promised to reap. I think, yes, we are promised to reap, but we are called to sow. Because the Bible talks about it. Whatever you sow, you will reap. 
So we go around this life expecting someone to love us, but we're not sowing love. If there's no love in your marriage, it's because you're not planning it. Look at your relationships. Look at internally. If you don't love yourself. I was just going there. Man. Like it's all about self-love because that is where the overflow comes. Yes. And it's not self-love just to get what you think you deserve. It is self-love because God made you that way. Mm -hmm. God made you different. Um, yeah. I just, a little girl that comes to the session, she said she went to church the other morning and somebody called her stupid or you hear it all the time with kids, especially though, because kids can, can be really hard to be different because there's an expectation that everybody's going to look the same, act the same. And why is that? Because parents are all dressing them the same and there's an expectation. So when the one stands out and does something different, God forbid you're the parents that let your kid color their hair or wear something. Wear it long. Wear like it my long. Son. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, then you stand out and you stand to be different. And suddenly you start wearing these labels that even as a child, they put on you. So the self-love is loving who you've been made to be, loving the way you visualize things, the way you think about stuff. If I'm an overthinker to a fault. I'll spend 45 minutes standing in the deodorant aisle. Why can't they just have two options? Maybe just one. But I'm like, ooh, I like this scent, but I've worn this one three times in a row now. Is it going to lose its ability to you keep it? You drive your wife crazy. I do. I, it's bad. Like, I'll go... I'm, I have a heart to give. There's so many times I've walked into a store and I'm like, ooh, I want to get Morgan something. So yeah. I go look at it and like, then I start doing risk first. Award. Well, what if she doesn't like it? Eh, I don't know if I want to waste the money when I could just ask her what she wants or take her to get something. And then I just walk out of the store without getting her something. Yeah. And then she's like, you just don't ever think of me. I was like, girl, you don't know how much I think about you. I've thought for weeks on this <laughs> You thing. just don't see the reward because I'm too busy oh, overthinking so what I think you deserve. That's so funny. But it's that's life. Yeah, you know? it is. But I feel like the, the concept of everything from where we started, and we could talk for hours about all of these things, is that like the self-love component of your entire being, not yeah. just your physical being, but your mental being and spiritual being, comes with identifying who you are releasing who you are not or who you were and then as you have access to you know what god has given you that it doesn't become excess right that's literally the nutshell of everything we just talked that's about good. and i i'm just i'm thankful that i have you as a mentor and a friend you i remember the moment i stood across from you it was an out-of-body experience i had just read this book and i was interested in potentially joining this year-long um, Burn 24-7 program. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do it. And you just said, why? And I remember just standing there and like staring at you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he really wants me to answer this question. And I could think of a thousand reasons. And I knew that none of them had validity, that none of them were the true why. I was afraid of what I would uncover. I was afraid of, of investing in something, not knowing what I was going to get in return. Mm. Um, and so I did it <laughs> mainly because you were my big brother at the time. And I'm like, dang it. He's expecting me to do this. So you I'll did still, it well. I did it well. I did it so well. And it became like a turning point for me and, yeah. and set me on the journey of, you know, becoming a pastor myself. But again, not wanting to claim that title just because I'm so intrigued by people and like wanting to share from my own testimony. So I thank you for being an example to me. And um, just being here today, and I know that it won't be the last because people are going to be eager to hear more of your heart. 
which has just been amazing to see your growth. I'm going to finish with that, um, the exclamation point on this fit in faith, because like you said, um, I saw the brokenness the first time I met you. That's That was the first snapshot um, when we met you and Gary was this brokenness. And now to see that there's still fragments there. That's what's amazing is God doesn't take this and make it beautiful and restore everything. What he takes is these broken pieces that you took and that you feel invalidated and that can never be used again. And he slowly begins to reposition them mm -hmm. and put things in places that you didn't think even belonged there. And before you know it, your brokenness is beauty mm -hmm. because he has this greater perspective of who you are. So yes, you don't have to wear that title pastor, but there are women on the other end of this podcast and even men, I think, um, that may never call you that, but that's what you're doing. You're pastoring. You have the heart to care for people, to shepherd them, to usher them through life, to help them not have to make the same mistakes you did. I think that's that's the legacy you're living out. That's the title. That's what legacy is. Legacy is me preparing you so you don't have to fight the same battles I fought again. It's so you can walk out on my shoulders and be better than I am. That's what all of our purpose should be for our kids, for our everybody that comes after us. So I think that's the purpose of this Fit and Faith podcast is you're going to have voices in here for health, for spiritual, physical, all of those things. And it's so that you don't have to relearn lessons, the hard lessons that we had to learn again. When you embrace your identity and who you've been, and then you just get these weapons from all these people, you're ready to so walk good. out and just fight some major that's battles. So good. Like I always think about this. I'm going to go super Bible on you for a minute. Um, David, when he had to fight Goliath, like he walked into this camp and saw who's the king at the time and his whole big bad army. They had all these weapons, these swords, and all this armor and all that stuff, and they could not win this battle. They'd won so many battles, but this was the one thing they couldn't do. And then Saul, when he meets David, David's like, I'll go fight him. And David, Saul's like, okay, well, you need to wear this armor. You need to pick this sword. And here's how you swing it. And he's like showing him how to fight the way he fought. And David's like, nah, man, this ain't even comfortable. Let me go get a couple of stones. Let me go pick up my stones. That has way more meaning if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, right. And what he had learned to fight with in a field with his sheep, he'd killed a bear. He'd killed a lion. So what you're fighting right now, these small battles you're fighting on the other end of this podcast, on the other end of this camera, hold on to those weapons. Don't, tell, don't let somebody invalidate your small weapon. Because you're learning to fight a battle that they can't fight. You're learning to fight a battle they are not called to fight. You have a purpose in your inner being. You were made individually with a purpose. God did not make a bunch of robots. He made you for a purpose. And it is his desire, nothing more than to propel you into it. And to give you things along the way that are going to challenge you and grow you and sometimes hurt. But when you hit your pinnacle, when you hit your moment you will be prepared. And man cannot tell you that you're not. Titles will not tell you that you are. It's the moment you walk in, you know without a shadow of a doubt, I've been called for this moment and I'm just going to kill it. Mm, so good. So, so good. I so agree with all of it. I can't think I can say any more amens over here. I'm just like, you can't see me on the podcast. I'm like, yes. It's so good. So, I hope that you pulled some incredible nuggets from today. I'm excited to have Anthony on again in the future. Um, if you want to connect with him, you can do so on Instagram at a.heart757. And also, if you want to in-person come, if you're in Hampton Roads, we would love to have you come out to our home for the session. Um, you can follow us on social media and you'll get the address. Um, you can also go out to Greenbrier Community Church where he and his wife are pastoring currently. Um, beyond that, it was great. 
I love you. Thank you. Love it. Come see us. Come hang out with us. If you don't have a church, if you don't have a village. Yeah, if you don't have a you tribe, have, a family, You a have two opportunities. If, if you need church, Greenbrier Community Church, we'd love for you to come hang out with us on Sundays. I'm as weird and goofy on stage as I am not. That's just who I am. Do you have I red am. shoes on? I don't. I went oh, camo no. today. <laughs> I am a shoe guy to a fault, So, but I do kick my red shoes a lot. Um, if you need a village, though, and you want something a little different than what church has been, the session, we just sit around and we talk. And We're we different. Ask questions. Yeah. And it's a group of people who there's no judgment until you get to a place where you're open to it. When you're like, man, I need to be held accountable in this. And when you open up, it goes back to that access. We so There's true. nothing I ever want to do is neglect the access that I've been given to you and to others like that. Is to just respect it first. Um, and when it gets to a place where I can challenge you to be better, then love you during the process. Yeah. So You're definitely good at that. It's amazing. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Actually, I'll be back on Saturday live, which will be next week's podcast with an incredible woman flying all the way from Florida um, with Reclaimed Ministries. So stay tuned and we will see you soon. Hey y'all, I hope in today's episode you sense an ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your wholeness journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at Fit and Faith with the hashtag Fit and Faith Podcast so I can help you stay accountable. We're in this together, right? Community over competition is the motto. I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. Let's fuel the flame and share the gift of wholeness with everybody. Until next time, cheers to your health and happiness. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.